2: Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things.
0: Happy, Happy be Throwback Not Thursday. Thursday. It's Fabulous Friday
1: now. Oh, it's Fabulous Friday today because... Uh, we're busy this week. We were bu- oh, busy ha- this week. Yeah, thi- you're busy this thi- week.
0: Well, this is actually, folks, first of all, hope you're doing well. This is really yeah. exciting.
1: Kevin, what have you been doing this past week? Well, yeah, for the last week and the last couple months, actually, um, where, where Rob and I both uh, teach uh, at the New York Film Academy. They have the Professional Conservatory Musical Theater. Um, and we, uh, oh, boy, a couple months ago, uh, Christy Cates, head of the program, and I were talking, and we were figuring out what show we were going to do for the fall, and, uh, you know knowing we were in the middle of like pandemic lockdown over the summer. And so the options were very, very few MTI and a couple other licensing agents put out a couple shows that they said, you know, are, they're reduced. These are really good for zoom. And, and the idea of just of doing like Shrek over zoom just didn't really appeal uh, to anybody. Uh, and then when we f- uh, found a director to work with uh, Travis Chrysler um, and we sort of pitched him what the idea is, he's like, let's do an original song cycle. Let's do something and let's hire a bunch of uh, writers from musical theater, up and coming writers. Um, and the idea was to sort of make it sort of like working the musical if you know that where it's a bunch of writers got together Craig Carnelia, Stephen Schwartz and then over the years Lin-Manuel added some songs uh, Mickey Miller Grant of course easy Fantastic show Millwork so Okay sorry Thank you Carol Lee uh, So uh, we, we, Rob and I did working actually uh, at 54 Below um, uh, a concert of it So this is very much in that similar vein and this is Travis's idea that we're going to pitch our show as demeaning called not working. Uh, and play on words, meaning like the system isn't working, uh, what's not working in your life, et cetera, et cetera, um, politics, whatever, um, pandemic. Uh, and so the school was wonderful and put some money together and commissioned uh, about 14 songs, um, from a very diverse, um, uh, just here's some of the great names. And these are just wonderful s- songwriters that I think are just so special. Um, some songs that you're, you're going to hear from, um, are Jariah Kwame, Alex Sage Owen, uh, Oyen, uh, Uh, Andre Catrini, uh, great Danny Lincoln, um, who's a teacher with us, uh, Preston Allen, Douglas Lyons, Timothy Wang, uh, Janet No, Natalie Tannenbaum, Emily Gardner-Hall, tons of other people that are just really great, great songwriters. um, And, uh, Probably, really, we're excited to write a, a song about these things that are going on. And we very much aired on the comedic side because I think we've had enough of of the seriousness for a while. I mean, there's definitely a couple oh, nods yes. in the show, but there's oh, yes. definitely more humor. So, so like the humor of of uh, yeah, just those, it's just really fun. And so we are going to be performing socially distanced outdoors at the East River Theater. I never knew about Um, way on the east side. It's where if, the, if you look at a map of Manhattan, there's like a little nub on the right hand side. That's where the East River Pavilion is. It's like traveling it's, to another country to get there. It's, honestly, it's called the East River Amphitheater. Amphitheater, not pavilion. I keep saying pavilion. The East River Amphitheater. Thank Amazing. you very much. Uh, and it's yeah, and it's this beautiful space that actually Joe Papp did plays there. He did some Greek and Shakespeare, I believe, uh, year decades ago. Um, and now it's very much. Um, I don't want to say it's run down, but I, I there's a there's a graffiti on that says "Save the Amphitheater" because I guess there's it, it could be bulldozed soon. Um, oh, but it's no. it's unfortunate because when you and I'm excited for you to come on Sunday to see Rob, but it's this. Beautiful space that you think, my goodness, this is an untouched, this is a gem that should be doing theater. This is a, a great place to have art, uh, and it's too bad that we can't. Um, but it is great for us that we were able to get a permit from the city uh, with the very strict regulations, of course, with face masks, shields, and all that, where everyone's always eight feet apart. Um, but it, but the space is so big that we're able to have an audience uh, that are all distant in the in the in the uh, in the the outdoor space, um, and we'll have a performance at uh, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. because we have to be out of there by four o'clock because that's when the park closes. Uh, And so if you are not doing anything, check us out. It's called Not Working. You can look up uh, New York Film Academy. There's a press release. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's uh, on Sunday. But we are super excited. And I got to tell you, it's really great to see... The students, they were able to collaborate on Zoom with these composers and artists and, the, you know, and I think more than anything, everyone was just very happy, myself included, to feel artistic for the first time in, sure. in a very, sure. very long while and to be working on something um, that is very fruitful and makes you feel Good that you're contributing something, and I. It's really nice to be a part of that. So, I, um, whether or not it rains, or whether or not we get to have this, but we're going to film it so that it can then be edited, and then every the world can watch it in December. How so are you doing, my friend?
0: How I, are you? well, I am doing really great, and I, I think you saw this. I posted it on my Instagram very late last night. I got a Robert Goulet in South Pacific poster. It's real, right? It is real. And not only is it real, um I when I post it on Facebook, people have been responding. Somebody was in that production. It's a painting. It's a they it's not a photo of Robert Goulet. They have painted Robert Goulet oh. in front of the South Pacific Islands. Um and I will post it on our on our on our social media as well, which actually leads me to my favorite thing for today. Let's go. If I if I may. You may. So I bought this poster, um, and it got me thinking about uh, how much I love artwork. And I recently made a pretty substantial purchase because I'm redecorating the walls in my living room, and I bought some Broadway posters. And I realized we have never celebrated one of the great institutions in New York City, and it really is—it's a global thing because now it's online. Um, and folks, today we're going to celebrate wow. the Triton Gallery. The Triton Gallery. If you're unfamiliar with the Triton Gallery, I encourage you to go to broadwayposters.com. Once again, that's broadwayposters.com. Triton Gallery, folks, has been around since 1965, and it hosts the largest collection of window cards and posters in the world. And I'm sure – if you're listening to this podcast, I am sure you have a window card somewhere in your home. Um, And uh, and there are so many wonderful books. On the art of the poster, you can read uh, Fravor's book. Uh, Fravor was a previous guest of ours. You can read James McMullen's work, who's a personal favorite of mine. He does all the Lincoln Center posters. Um, They're beautiful. Some people collect stamps because of the artwork, and some people collect Broadway posters because of the artwork. Um, And the Trident Gallery hosts and holds the largest collection. They have over 5,000 posters available to them. And one of the cool things they've done is, is they have photographed every single poster. So if for some reason you're looking for, you know, I'm looking for a God's favorite, the Neil Simon play that ran four performances starring Vincent Gardini and Charles Nelson Reilly, um, you can call them and be like, Do you have that? And they'll be like, yeah, we have it on file. And they can print up the photo and they can put it on a 14 by 22, which is the standard of a uh, Broadway window card and sell it to you. Um, The the company was founded by a guy named Roger Puckett, who was an actor. He had one Broadway credit in one of your favorite shows, Kevin David Thomas. Goldilocks. No, Keen. Keen. Oh, yes, of course. Keen. Um, and he ran Trident Gallery for a really, really long time, and then he sold it to Nicholas Van uh, Hoogstraden. Nicholas, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. You're such a kind man. Nicholas Van Ho- Hoogstraden? Hoogstraden? Hoogstraden. Sorry, Nicholas. You can correct us. Um, so Roger Bought it um, in 1965. He bought a frame company called Goldberg's, which had been around in New York since like 1875. And even though it started off as a framing company, he was putting his Broadway window cards in the window and people kept stopping by going, Hey, where do I buy the poster? And he's like, I make frames. And they're like, not anymore, you don't. So pretty, <laughs> pretty soon he became a, um, the, the only place that was really distributing and selling Broadway theatrical posters. And for all of us who remember, it was originally located across from the Al Hirschfeld Theater on 45th Street between 8th and 9th, or as it used to be called, folks, the
1: Martin Beck. Across from That's the Martin right. Beck. Always. What, do you, what do you call it, the Martin Beck or the Hirschfeld? It's a Martin Beck to me because that's yeah. when I came to New York. It was it – yeah. was, that was what it was. I mean it was exactly. – and I think – when did it change to Hirschfeld? Do you remember? I feel like the early 2000s. Was it, all, was it way back then? Okay. I, f- I feel like it was – I feel like the Wedding Singer was at the Hirschfeld, I, I feel. Really? I, feel like my, okay. I think so. I guess I could look this up while we're talking, but yeah. I think. Yeah, no, I, it's the Mark and Be- Martin Beck to me. It always, it always has been.
0: Uh, but yes, keep going. But, but it was across the street, and then it moved, of course, to 9th Avenue in 2006. And now, thank God, it's located on 8th Avenue. Avenue. Um, It's a really, really fantastic place. You can, you can go in, first of all, you can go online, obviously because of COVID and they have photos of all the posters that they have available as well as uh, this really cool thing where you can roll over different colored frames and you can see which frame color would look best with your poster, which is pretty amazing. Um, According to an interview with Roger that uh, what really helped put him over the edge in terms of making this um, a store that was only selling theatrical posters and window cards was um in 1971 hal prince allowed him to sell and distribute follies posters that great david bird poster and because hal prince said yeah go ahead you can sell and distribute these it's good marketing a lot of other broadway producers fell in line as well and was like absolutely please take these posters and start selling them because that's going to really really help us in terms of our you know of our marketing um He said, this is so interesting in an interview, um, they asked Nicholas, they're like, what's your favorite window card? Like, what's your favorite design? What do you think he said? Another favorite, I think, of yours. It's a Jerry Herman. It's a Jerry Herman that's a favorite Uh, of yours.
1: Perhaps Mac and Mabel?
0: A little earlier, it was Dear World. He oh, says Dear the poster World. for Dear mm. World is the most stunning poster he's ever yeah. seen and it's true. If you haven't seen the Dear World poster, folks, take it a look true. at it. Yeah. Um most of the posters there are if you're if you're looking for a recent poster like a show within the past couple of years, they sell it for about 25 bucks. Amazing. If you're looking for something older, than that they usually sell it for $77
1: and original it's an original or is this the printed kind that's print printed either or
0: it can be either or sometimes if they have an original one in stock it'll be $77 if they have to do a photo reprint of one that they don't have in stock anymore it's still $77 but it looks just like the actual I mean you can't tell you, you literally cannot tell the difference
1: right but if I was getting like an original poster of like I'm trying to think of something very oldish, but like an original Hello Dolly poster. You would think that would be worth more money than one that's been printed on like cardboard and sent to me. Do you Maybe. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, it, sure, I'm that,
0: sure that some shows have different ranges. The ones that I found mostly all sort of fit in like the $77 sort of that, dollar range. Age, yeah, yeah, they've always been that range. Now, this might have changed, but this was in 2005. So it's what, oh my God, 15 years ago. Can you imagine 2005 was 15 years ago? Oh my God. They asked Roger what was the most expensive poster he ever sold? Um, and he said the one, it was an original and it was not a very successful show. So they did not make a lot of copies of it uh, originally. They didn't like do a mass production of it. What
1: show sold for $2,500? What show poster? It's a musical. $2,500. It has to be a fan that was like, it's like a cult favorite of some kind. It has to be is something a cl- where it's yes. a great artwork. It's, you a, know, like it's, it's like, like Carrie, it's Carrie or it's, it's a cult um,
0: favorite. It is good artwork. It's a uh, cult favorite, written by somebody that is a giant in the musical theater industry. We're talking. Oh, in the musical theater industry. Oh, I mean, um, in 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 theater. I mean, yeah, he does everything. He's sort of our god. Um, with Stephen Sondheim, it is. It's a Stephen Sondheim show. Merrily Roll Along. No, Do I Hear a Waltz? The original Do I Hear a Waltz sold for twenty five hundred dollars in two thousand five. I'm curious. Uh, Trident Gallery, um, is there something that has sold for more than that mm. since 2005. That's, I'm really curious to find out. So folks, I encourage you, you know, this is a great time to keep small businesses alive. Go on over to broadwayposters.com. Take a look at all the posters they have there. They have photographs of everything. You can also get lost for hours looking at all the different uh, artwork that's been out there over time. Um, and once again, if you're looking for something and they don't have it, email them. They probably do have it. It's just not on the website. So my mine this week is Triton Gallery. Uh um, dot Go take a look at them. Kevin, what's your, I'm so curious. What's your favorite poster? Oh, uh, Oh, my favorite poster.
1: Um, boy.
0: Or an artwork that you like.
1: Yeah. Um, no, let me really think for a second. Uh, there's just been so many. I, I'm not as, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I've not been as attracted to them as I know you have been. I know you've bought books on them before and everything, but I'm trying to think, um, what really I enjoy. Um, I'm thinking of like my LP covers that also yes, made yeah, its way to yeah. like, I will always love the Lansbury gypsy with her in that sort of, yes, you know, that pose. I love that kind of, uh, I like the simpler, more, less, uh, you know, like, like simpler covers, you know what I mean? Not, simpler. Not yeah. Busy. Um, Oh, I like a I like a busy cover.
0: I like a mosaic, oh, yeah. a mosaic type. I like the, you know, I like the Merrily poster. I think that show perfectly yeah. encapsulates.
1: The one that, with the with the sign and like the the three of them yes, pointing on yes, the rooftop. Yes, 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 yes. I did. Yes. I, I absolutely love that one. Um, yeah, I don't. Boy, I, I really. I'll have to get back to you. I really want to look at so, what so, I have because well, it, it really is. A, when you think about it, so many of the posters are done before the show. Opens, yes. right? So they have to cap. And Fravor obviously talked about this a lot mm-hmm. in our interview years ago, but but they have to capture the spirit of the show before audiences, before critics, before all of that stuff, you know. And it's very true. interesting to have, and that's the that's how we like when I see certain posters, like Ragtime or you know Parade, even that nineteen ninety eight poster. I, it's like I, I it, yeah. it, it informs me about the show, uh, and so that's that's quite a. You know that's an Im- that's a huge impact that they have. You know? Exactly. You know what posters I don't like, and it was a pretty big trend. I think in the seventies and eighties,
0: it was where they would put somebody's photograph on the headshot, and it was like, you know, Colleen Dewhurst in blah blah blah, and I'm like, give me give me a give no. me a graphic image.
1: That's fine at the Kenley Players. You can do it at the Kenley Players, but not on the Broadway. Not on the Broadway. Absolutely. On the Broadway. Absolutely. on the Broadway. Absolutely.
0: You can totally do it over there, but just uh, don't do it here. So, folks, go to broadwayposters.com,
1: Triton Gallery. Go support local business. What what I think that is such a good favorite thing, Rob. I'm I'm so happy. I can't believe we've never really discussed it, even though it's been ever present in all of our lives. Yes. I, I, you, you said Triton Gallery, and I, I instantly remembered going 15, yeah. probably before 2005, probably 2002, 2003, going to the gallery, going there and flipping through everything and being just, at the time, it still is, but I was like, whoa, this is so expensive, I can't afford these. Um, but the, I was just so blown away. And it, fascinating, that really triton gallery there's other places that will frame and do all of that but to be known as the source for broadway show posters and, and, and artwork it's just it's kind of amazing that they sort of monopolize that corner of the industry i mean albeit a very small corner of the industry but um still it's fascinating to me that they've done so well over the years you know i still, still here I agree. And if you come to New York, I mean, obviously with
0: COVID, they have different hours. But if you are in the city, hit them up. Maybe they'll let you come into the store and take a look, I, so, what, which was what I did yesterday. I went to go pick up my posters from them. And it was just so did. nice. Yeah. it was Nick was so great and was so nice to go in. Um, really, really wonderful. Kevin, what is your Fantastic.
1: favorite Love thing? Love it. Well, uh, mine is, is, a, is a documentary, actually, um, uh, and it's maybe you've seen it, maybe not. Um, it's a doc. It's one of those. Uh, it's a favorite thing where it's unfortunately, if you have to be a member or a subscriber of a certain service in order to ex- access it uh, or know someone who give them your password. Um, so my and, and I would like to thank my friend and listener, Lori Elias, for for getting on my case to list to watch this, because, Lori, I know she's like every week. She's like, did you watch it yet? Did you watch it yet? Did you watch it yet? Um, Lori writes for Disney. Magazine or one of the Disney um, periodicals. Ooh. Forgive me, Lori, for not knowing. Um, and she's like knows everything about Disney. She's an, she's a teacher in, in uh, the Cleveland area and is a wonderful wonderful human being um, and a great educator. But um, this is the documentary about Howard Ashman called Howard. It's on Disney Plus. Um, it is. Uh, It is so special. Uh, If last week's uh, favorite things was us about sort of lightening the mood, this is us being a little bit more perhaps sentimental this week. Um, And this Howard Ashman documentary is just, I was just riveted, moved, touched, um, inspired, couldn't wait to create and be artistic again, uh, or continue. so, for those of you who might not know, uh, on Disney Plus, uh, Disney produced uh, and released uh, a couple months ago this uh, documentary about the great lyricist Howard Ashman, who died at the very, very young age of forty, which is like almost chokes in my throat when I say it because I'm forty, uh, and it was 1991 when he passed away, uh, and he was very much at like nearing. I, I wouldn't even say he was at the apex. I mean, he was like nearing the possibilities of what he could have done and continue to do with his career. Thankfully, we have so much of his body of work to enjoy and respect. Uh, um, the, a documentary goes through his basically his life. There. Was- plenty of talking heads, Uh, people like the head of Disney or Disney, you know, animation, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, of course, Alan Menken uh, is prominent in this film, and I'll talk about more in in a minute about him, but it really goes through uh, Howard Ashman's life. Of course, you know him as the lyricist for such Disney films as Little Mermaid and Aladdin and some of Beauty and the Beast, but he also wrote Little Shop of Horrors, of course, and um, Smile, which is like for 20 years is the the show that was not to be named because it was such a a huge failure that, uh, go ahead, go. Disneyland (laughs) I want to go to yeah the voice of Ariel Jody Benson that was smile
0: also has really great key art and window posters I'm just
1: putting yes it does fantastic key art Uh, a really really good poster work uh no really good tie-in um and it was a big 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 failure in the 80s and famously Alan May I mean uh, Howard uh uh, Marvin Hamlish, like would not talk about it you cannot that was not you just did not go there uh and it was not a good experience um uh, they talk about Howard's upbringing, you know, and and how he started the WPA theater, which I did not know any of that history. I had no idea that he he was so off off Broadway kind of guy, and um and and they very much go into his personal life, of course, and his his previous lover who died of complications, and um and then they go through the AIDS crisis and all of that, and it's just it, it's just a beautifully heartwarming, touching, sad, but yet inspiring film um uh, you know uh, uh, about this great lyricist and now uh alan Mankin, i'm watching this film and uh, watching this documentary and the opening credit they're very smart it's very laid out very well with the intro you actually don't see howard ashman as a talking head until like good 15 10 minutes into it right you get to feel the build up of it and how special he is and but the score plays and i'm like watching it like weeping because the mu- the music is i'm so moved by the score that was written to to, to accompany the you know what, what they're saying and everything and then i look it up and of course the score is by alan menken and then i did a little more research and went to a couple places read some things and turns out that when alan menken saw the the rough copy of the film with with sans music he was so touched and was so into it that he was like i i have to score this i have to do this film and the powers that be were like we can't we can't afford it man you were like you're alan menken. we cannot, this is not that type of film and he was like i don't care i'm doing it i will i will score this film this is my present to howard ashman and my tribute to him and alan menken says it's the best music that he's ever written it's the most heartfelt he wrote it over the holidays like two two years ago uh and he i i and and i'm i'm I'm, i've goosebumps just think you know talking about it because it really was you could tell that that someone who you know, we talked to all these these legends, and, and they, there is a twinkle in their eye when they talk about their their beginnings. Sometimes they're very humble beginnings. And someone like Alan Menken, who definitely had humble beginnings as they were in the BMI workshop and they were off, off Broadway and they were trying to make their name and get somewhere and eventually become commercial, which he did. And now, Alan Menken's, you know, he's doing OK. Um, but I, I love this idea that he sort of comes back to his roots and, and has written something so moving as a dedication to his friend and colleague. Uh, and it really lifts the film up even more um, And so, uh, yeah, I I think that it's really really important that every every fan and every student of theater watch this because there's so many people who create that sometimes their their names may be unknown to to the greater public. I mean, our friends, obviously, our pod knows Howard Ashman, but I think it's really wonderful to see to show the world who this great uh, this great brain was, and you see him working with singers, and you can see that he sometimes was a little difficult too. But he also, when he didn't have time on his hands, he probably felt like Um, much like Gordon and a new brain. He felt like I have to get my art. I have to do as much as I can before this disease takes it away from me. Uh, And you really get a sense of that towards the end of the film that he was um, time was ticking out and he was getting as much done as possible. And it's, it's very moving. It's very um, inspiring to say, like make the most, you know, as cliche as it may be, but the whole carpe diem thing, really, you cannot only say that so many different ways. And I think this is another great way of, of sharing that. So, Howard Ashman. The Howard is what it's called. If you have a friend or know someone with a Disney Plus, why don't you go schedule a date and uh, check it out? Because it is definitely worth it. And you will be smiling, maybe a little tear in your eye, but all celebrating and uplifting this wonderful art form that we love so much. I
0: am very excited to watch this. It's been on my list for a while, but I know it's going to make me cry, so I've been trying to avoid it. Um, Same. So now I'll just, I'll just dig on in and I'll, I'll watch they're, they're it. They're happy
1: tears. You know, they're, they're okay. moving tears. They're like the kind that we have. And also you get to see things like, you know, Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury. That, that, those clips were kind of going through uh, the internet. But those clips of them in the studio singing Beauty and the Beast is fun. There's, there's tons of archival footage, tons of photographs, um, great information, a lot of things that I never knew. And, um, yeah, it's, I, just had a, I was really, really thrilled to watch it.
0: I am very excited to jump into it. I will be jumping into it. I thank you for that. Um, And after you watch Howard, everybody go over to Trident Gallery and go broadwayposters.com. Buy some posters. Go support them. Yes. Support local business. I will see you, Kevin, on Sunday. And I think, would you believe, I think this is the first time I'm going to see you in person since April. That's crazy. I'm
1: You've excited. changed. <laughs> I did get a haircut. So, yeah, you did. it looks great. It.
0: Yeah, me too. Oh, wow. I like You do look good. You look fresh as a daisy. I got feathered tips.
1: All right. So, <laughs> I
0: will, everyone, we will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful week. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Support any local art that you possibly can during this time.
1: Please. We'll see you next week. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.
2: Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things
1: Patrick Flynn. What? Beth Amon. I hate this movie. Love Actually? Yes. Me too. But I also love it. Me too. But I hate it. You know what we should do? What? We should get a bunch of people together, split the movie into its ten storylines, and then figure out this movie one story at a time. You mean people like Keith Powell and Jill Knox Powell from NBC's Connecting? Keith, why don't you show us what porn watching faces? And Washington Post columnist Alexandra Petra? I don't know. I
0: think every Christmas story is a horror story.
1: Do you think it would work? It actually inspired me to plan. And my funeral? I dig the uh, brothel angle. Every time I think about the trailer, I'm like, I was misled.
0: I love you, you used to do a shark, by the way. Can I mix your ashes with glitter? It's
1: like eight half screenplays just put in a blender. I am positive I stayed with my ex an extra six months because we saw this in the theater. It will definitely work. What is Love Actually? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download. All episodes out November 27th.